I can't perform with you looking at me. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. This is episode 134. My name's Roger. Uh, his name really is Roger. He's not, he's not lying to you. Uh, hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Declan. How are you doing? Um, good. Alive, functioning, present, sir. Two songs, sir. Glass of milk, sir. Good month, sir. <laughs> May I proceed, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's one thing I don't miss about school is is the register, you know? Here. Heathers, here. Kitchener. Well, I mean... It would have been weird if you had Kitchener on your register, seeing as we went to different schools, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the... Actually, that's a point. Uh, we would have been in different school years. Um, because September's always the cutoff point, and my birthday's really early in September, and you're a little bit older than me. I'm July. So I would have been one of the older boys with like a sort of like wispy mustache and smoking a cigarette. You would have been like the very most junior person of your year, most likely. I was the oldest boy in the year, in my year. But still, it's that sort of thing where you're rigidly segmented into, like, for example, year eight and year nine. <laughs> and yeah. years just, you just automatically add on a year, even though, like, between us, it would be, what, three months if we went to the same school, which we didn't. It's weird, that, isn't it? I remember when I came back from America um, after living there for a couple of years, I was in grade four. And when I came to England, they missed... For, for, for a British person, what does that equate to? Well, grade four is year five, right? And when I came to England, they just thought I was in year four, so they put me in year four. And I was there for the whole of my first day in English school. I was so nervous. And then somebody came in and went and whispered something in the teacher's ear, and they looked at me, and I was like, what the... What's going on? And then they went, uh, Roger, come with us. You're being seconded away. <laughs> and they moved me up a year on my first day. It was very surreal. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. Um, this is our final uh, sharing episode of... That's not the best way I could have put that. But this is our final kind of episode of sharing the songs we wrote in February. Uh, we each wrote 14 songs in February and we're sharing our final two each today. And yeah, how do you feel about that, Declan? Um uh i feel good because now i don't have to try and remember back to like it's four months ago now to uh, what i was thinking when i wrote the things i should tell you now uh one of the songs that i uh wrote tonight i have basically nothing to say about because i cannot remember a damn thing about it <laughs> oh you and me both honestly yeah isn't it strange how like it's been so long but like it's funny earlier today i was actually thinking like I'm actually looking forward to writing weekly again. As stressful that as that is, just having the freshness of like, oh, I remember what I wrote a few days ago. Yeah, like you don't have to go trawling back through like your memory banks and just going like, well, it, it looks like I'm using like wings and flying as a metaphor. So I don't know, maybe I was just uh, waiting to go on holiday. I don't know. <laughs> as if you couldn't remember if you went on holiday. I might, apparently, according to the, tick to the tickets I have stuck on my wall, I must have been to uh, Mallorca. Uh, I used to do that when I was at university and then I moved back home where I didn't have wall space to do it and then I moved into somewhere with a living landlord who, who I'm sure would not be appreciative of uh, me sticking things on the wall. Also, I don't travel anywhere fun that uses a ticket, an actual ticket anymore. So Bus tickets? No, it's all on my phone. Uh, you stick your phone to your wall. 
you're not incorrect, but I do kind of need it. Um, That's very true. Day to day use. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm actually I'm bringing a few of the last songs that I bought that I wrote in February to the podcast today. What about you? Uh, I think I'm bringing numbers nine and twelve, so around the later half. For me, it's ten and fourteen. So the final one I'll play today is going to be number fourteen. Um, the, the first one I'm going to play for you today is <laughs> kind of what number you were saying. Thirteen. <laughs> kind of what you were saying earlier, like. Just remembering it, you know, it's been a while, put it that way. And it's called Safe House, and it goes like this. Try. 
that was Safe House by Roger Heathers. And uh, tell you what, if we had to bet on your songwriting, Roger, you'd be safe as houses uh, oh. because you're really good at it. Um, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's lovely. I'm, de- I'm detecting like last week, this may be a bit of a, uh, a recording in the, in the wee small house of the morning kind of thing. I It was, but I feel like last week's one didn't really uh, benefit from that so much. Whereas this kind of has like a kind of, uh, it has a midnight vibe, you know? <laughs> like uh i think with this one you could put on like a load of soft simps and get like a like a ambient electronic kind of sound because i know you've done that a couple of times on a winter tapes and things like uh these sort of slightly more mellow electronica sort of stuff which mm. i think this could like suit that really nicely yeah it's funny as we were listening to it, i was playing the synthesizer next to me along with it and i was thinking like you know what? i wasn't like keen on this song from memory but now i'm playing along to it i think i could you know, whip it up into something. It's uh, funny how that happens. Like, because the process I'm assuming similar to you to me is that you end up like writing a song, learning it just to play it, and then more or less forgetting it unless you put it into a live set. <laughs> and then you're just, you're clouded, your thoughts of the song are clouded by the thing of like, well, this is how I wrote it. So this is what the song must be like. And it's like you could you could kind of reimagine it or something like that. And I, I think that's what I'm looking forward to with the stuff that we're going to do together. Like the songs we've written in February that we're going to put on an album together. It's like we're going to need to reimagine them because we're going doing them together. I mean, like the bare bones will be there. Things like, you know, the chords and the melody and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think we'll, there'll be a lot of like, oh, let's try this. Let's try that. Which, you know. Which then is uh, like can reinvitalize, uh, reinvigorate a song. Reinvitalize? What on earth am I talking about? Uh, it's a nice word. It, it is a nice word. I just don't think it's real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Words don't have to be wheel. Wheel? <laughs> Neither of us can talk. Why are we podcast hosts? It's a perfectly cromulent <laughs> word, Declan. Oh. <laughs> don't uh, groan. I'd, ne- I'd, I'd never heard that word before I moved to Springfield. Um, <laughs> yeah, I noticed we haven't actually talked about the song yet. Uh, oh, yeah. So, like... Where does this one start from? Like, because obviously there's that guitar line running through it. Was it just something you were jamming on there, or was it like? Because uh... I think you mentioned that when we were listening to it, you'd had a new drum machine. Yeah, yeah. I um I had recently bought myself um a Behringer RD6, which is like a modern, much more affordable clone of the old six oh six. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I thought I'd try it out and I thought, why not try it out with, with one of the, uh, February songs. And it, it was kind of like a weird combination. I think this song sort of stands out apart from the rest, just in terms of its sort of like tonal quality and stuff, because it's a song that uses a drum machine as the background, which none of the other ones do. And also it was written, um, in, uh, open D major on the acoustic guitar. So it's kind of those two elements mm. combined to make something kind of a little strange i guess yeah well i suppose that's part of what we were trying to do with these songs it's like uh try and do a couple more unusual things yeah and i think that sort of um having one tool in your arsenal when you're songwriting like that can really sort of help sort of focus the vibe and mood of a song like uh, as opposed to if you just sit there writing acoustic guitar song number 398 (laughs) uh like if you've got, no, actually this is based around this sound on a keyboard or no, this is based around this instrument that I'm learning to play or no, this is based around like this sound that I've just worked out my voice can do. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think there's an element of like using your mind as a problem solving device as opposed to just like a 
very broad canvas to sort of use to write a song and having something like you say like okay I'm gonna write in a particular tuning on the guitar makes you kind of think oh, okay I don't really know any chord shapes here like what can I do to um <clears throat> overcome that problem or like challenges we've done in the past you know write a song in the style of x y or z you know um okay how am I gonna do that and you, you kind of try to figure out the puzzle as opposed to just writing from scratch you know mm, exactly yeah there was uh, a not really a lot that went into this song chordly. Um, I have written in open D before, open D major. So basically, for, for those of you who aren't guitarists or who would like to try it for the first time, it's basically tuning all the strings of a guitar to the various notes of a D major chord. So that if you strum them without fretting any notes, you will have a D major chord, which means that you can just put one finger and bar across the fifth fret and the seventh fret, and you'll have your one, five, and seven just by playing open, fifth fret, seventh fret. So would I be correct in saying the tuning is D, A, D, F sharp, A, D? That's it. Yeah, you got it. I was trying to remember. I'm really glad some one of us did. Yeah, so it was just a case of doing that. And I've like I said, I've used this, this tuning before. And there's various different shapes you can do to sort of get the, like I say, one, four, and five, but then also six, four, and two. I tend to use quite a lot. Um, that most of the chords of the scale, but you get my point. Like just those are your basic building blocks. And I wanted to write something kind of new wavy, like not only because of the drum machine, but just because I've been listening to bands like The Cars that week. I think. I don't mind you coming here. Wasting all my time Cause when you're standing all so near I kinda lose my mind And I wanted to write something that was kinda like a little bit moody, a little bit dark, but also had a pop sensibility to it as well. Yeah, like uh, there's 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 some cool records in that new wave sort of era. Not many of them, I have to say <laughs> this is someone who doesn't like the eighties, but like when you find a good one, oh it's a good one. Oh, my favorite new wave is the new wave that's just before the 80s, like 78, 79, like the Cars. Like, the Cars have got some great records from then, them. Mm. And um, even some Cheap Trick records are kind of new wavy at certain points around then. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a cool sound. It's a sound I want to explore more, actually, That you know, those records and stuff. Um, That'll be the next Roger Heather's project for you all. <laughs> the new wave years. Uh, <laughs> but it's um so they use quite simple chords which are quite like because you're not trying to again you're not trying to sort of like be clever with the chords you're just trying to kind of get something that works and particularly within that sort of um sound you know and once i kind of had a few chords down um again full disclosure it's been a little while so i i can't remember the exact chord progressions but i definitely know that in the chorus it goes down to your one which is the d major of course then down to your uh five which is the a major and G, which is your four G major, um, and that's basically the chorus. So as you can as you can kind of tell, it's very straightforward. And then it was a case of trying to find some lyrics, which I thought fit. And this wasn't one of my most inspired days for writing lyrics, I must say. So it's basically about a safe house, which is a very <laughs> flimsy metaphor for a house where you feel safe. <laughs> and, uh, it does exactly what it says on the tin people exactly you can't explain or not you know tell them the truth or something and uh but i suppose that i tried to kind of flip it a little bit as i went along and tried to get a little bit more interesting and 
Um, the chorus, the lyrics are, I've never been wrong about the danger, but then again, I've never tried. If something was wrong, I'd have no answer. I'd probably turn my back and hide. And it's basically like kind of a tongue-in-cheek poking fun at that sort of like um, anxiety, survival instincts we all have of like, I'm just going to stay inside my comfort zone. I'm going to stay inside my little bubble. And it's it's too dangerous out there. That's basically what it is. It's like kind of a tongue-in-cheek, like, I know this probably isn't the best place for me, but it's safer. <laughs> but it's warm and cosy in there for... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very safe in here. Uh, there's not a hell of a lot more to say about this one, really, um, unless you can think of any details I've missed. Nothing springs to mind, but I do like it, and I would like to see it done with some kind of like really cool synthy stuff on it. It'll be nice. Cheers, thank you. Yeah, maybe I will do it at some point. All right, that's about it for that one. Um, what is your first one you're bringing today? Uh, my first one I'm bringing today is called Avery. Uh, and... It- it goes something like this. I'm so sorry. Everywhere it's on the side, basking against the night, and he's trying to catch my eye. I know what to do, but I can't look away. I hear what he says, and he's making me stay. He knows how to Uh, Avery, that's your. Uh, what did you say? That was your ninth song of the run for February. Uh, yes, that was song number nine. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Um, the one word that just pops into my mind straight away with that one is contrast. I just love how it has these sections that are like really quiet and staccato, and these sections like longer notes, more more dynamics, more um aggression and just yeah it's just a great sort of back and forth and it kind of like swaps and changes you could do so much with the production on this 
Um, I mean, it's a song to me that's calling out for like a like a drum, a funky drummer to sort of play that properly. A, a funky drummer that can play heavy at times too, I think, would be great. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this one was uh, <laughs> was the one I was mentioning earlier, where I can remember very little about it, sadly, <laughs> uh, or, or possibly gladly, dependent on your point of view. I don't know how well this is going to translate, but like a. If you are ever at somewhere and like it's it's kind of that thing if like, oh, there's this really, you know, those guys who are like super attractive, super confident and they know it. I'm right here, man. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, you know, there's sort of people who sort of are super self-aware, but there are super self-aware that they are just the person that everybody in the room wants. Oh man, those people! I hate those people. And They're when, too good. <laughs> and then when you're like uh, sat there thinking, like, you know, I hate the fact that you're that arrogant, deservedly about yourself. But damn, you're hot as well. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a lust song from Mr. Kitchener? Uh, the one and only, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> just kind of an experiment to see if I could write like that. And um, <laughs> I think it's safe to say we probably won't be going down this route in further. Oh, come on. Um, it's great. It's a great song. Yeah, it's it's about the performance of it, really. Uh, I, I don't perform it well, if that makes sense. But the thing I did notice as I was going through it is like, oh, at the end, it seems to start going about all this stuff about like, uh, oh, I wish I was you and things like that. That's a bit odd. Where does that come from? And then I realized halfway through, I sort of gave up on the idea and I had in the back of my mind that I could like channel it into another project that I've got on the back burner. Uh, so I was just like, oh, OK, this is getting a rewrite someday. But the sort of central vibe fits. When, when you say a rewrite, I'm just curious. Do you mean sort of like lose the lyrics, keep the tune or like vice versa? Lose the lyrics, keep the tune, but keep the feel. Hmm. Like the general mood and vibe, but like tailor it a bit more to what that project needs. And like maybe write something a bit more interesting than like fuck's sake, you're hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you gotta have songs like that in you know there are definitely songs like that, you know. Hey you There are sexy definitely thing. songs like that, and I'm not the person who should be performing them. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in miracles. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> no, I but yeah, I think um what you say about sort of keeping the feel. I mean, I like the whole package, but like um yeah, the feel I think is the thing that sells it to me most. Yeah, that's the thing. Most of my songwriting tends to come out of like the guitar first, so that one I must have gone through because I wrote I decide the day after, which is also a bit more slowy and a bit more like like a uh, sort of danceable in a weird way. Hmm. Like you could sway a little bit to the groove of Avery. You can dance to I Decide, I think. So I must have just had a like a couple of days there where I was just thinking like, right, okay, let's get some dancing songs together. <laughs> it's, it's funny, like you've mentioned um, both on the podcast and off to me about um, listening to Foles and how they have that sort of like at times blend of sort of dancey music and more rock oriented music. And I feel like that's kind of like, that and perhaps a few other bands have had that, that rub-off effect on you. I mean, you've always been a fan of things like, you know, Blondie and that sort of thing too. See, this would be more like thinking about disco more than anything else. Hmm. Because, like, the Foles thing has only just kicked up again recently for me. 
is to be thinking about like doing a disco song at a slightly slower tempo or like a sort of a slow jam or something. I see. Yeah, I think one thing I... And it goes off in this other direction as well because, fuck it, I love diminished chords. But... <laughs> one thing I, I've always liked about your your musical approach and just you as like a music fan as well is like, I don't know if people really know this, but you are you don't discriminate with the music you listen to and the music you take influence from. Like, like being in your car and listening to music with you on your phone... If it's it's shuffle, a nightmare if you like consistency. <laughs> it's just like it goes from one thing to the next, but all it's all good. It's like it goes from like ABBA to the Beatles to Blondie to Daft Punk to the Foo Fighters to you know, and it's just like I don't know. I'm just saying that all that feeds into your style, I think, and it makes well, something let, quite original. Let's put it this way: some of the albums I've listened to over the past week include the Spice Girls, Spice, the Phantom of the Opera, uh, the Lathams, um, the White Stripes. <laughs> uh Roxy Music, the nineteen seventy-five, Bob Marley, <laughs> like uh Fickle Friends, Beyonce, Twenty One Pilots. I need to pick some music I like and just stick with it. <laughs> you wouldn't have you wouldn't have um worked in the seventies. People were like, are you punk or scar? You'd be like, ah. Oh. <laughs> you just wouldn't be able to answer the question. It's like I'm music. Uh <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, back to the song. Um, what was there anything that sort of went into the writing process that you found to be challenging or different to your normal approach in any way? If there is, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, beyond the central conceit of it, and having having worked out the chords again, I can't remember much about this one. I'm afraid this is the danger of doing this four months after I wrote the damn thing. Uh, I could tell you musically, it's kind of uh, plays a lot of the relationship between C sharp diminished and G sharp major or minor if you're in a verse. Um, that's about it. <laughs> well, I mean, full disclosure, by the way, everyone listening, we are very openly experimenting with the podcast and the fact that we can't remember every detail of how, we, them, of how we wrote the songs in February. Them. Uh, you know, we're just being open, okay? We can't remember all the details. I can remember more. I'll make up for it on the second one. I can remember a lot more about that one. Funny enough, me too, actually. Yeah. Talking of your second one. As we just was, uh, it's called Trouble Enough to Survive. And uh, one thing I will say before it starts is you can hear me um, audibly breathe a sigh of relief that the challenge is over at the beginning of the de- of the demo here. So it goes like this. Song 14, working title, it's Trouble Enough to Survive, C Major. It's trouble enough to survive 
So that was your final song uh, of of the uh, February challenge, and uh, trouble enough to survive. More like trouble enough to thrive with your songwriting, because right. that's a really lovely song. <laughs> yeah, y- 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 dingus, how could you? Um- <laughs> You're a big idiot. Uh, <laughs> thank you. It's um, it's funny because like obviously that's the last one I wrote, but it's again it's been a while since we heard them. And listening back, I was like, hey, this ain't as bad as I thought. And I also the other thing is like listening back to demos. It's like we've said this before, but like we'll both of us will have a tendency to like write our demo lyrics and then later on down the road maybe like swap out a word either if we play it live or if we're doing a studio recording of it. And with this, I think it's relatively close to completion. I think that was it's just the relief of finishing the challenge. I think. <laughs> So did you have anything in mind that you wanted to do for the last song? Or is this just like, uh, you know, right, I've got to get one out. I'll just write a song as I normally would. Um, That's a good question. I think with the whole challenge, there wasn't really a thing of like, okay, right, for for the next one, I'm going to write a certain type of song. It was very much day by day. It was just like kind of not think about the next one until it was time to sort of thing. So with this one, I had been listening to... um, Hall and Oates. Um, I was reading the Todd Rundgren kind of biography, and he produced um, War Babies, which is one of uh, Hall and Oates' albums. And you know how it is with you know getting into a band or something. You kind of go back through their discography. I was listening to a lot of Hall and Oates, and I tried to write a song in that style. I think. It's funny, if you, if you haven't really heard a band before, it's quite difficult to di- digest all of their musical tricks and chord changes and stuff to like um, feed it back into your own writing. But this was my attempt at that, I guess. Okay, interesting. Because yeah, there's a slightly different flavour to this one. Like, uh, it's a lot of uh, cool piano stuff on there as well. Like, uh, like that's a great descending riff that you play staccato and then legato. And then is that something that you, if you take the song forward, you'd like to sort of continue with having those abrupt changes between the sections yeah i think so i think so um like my first one was kind of like new wave rock whereas this one would be kind of much more straight ahead rock and yeah i think um mixing it up um i'm a big fan of just contrast in general like i mentioned with uh avery it's just that thing of having that contrast of sharp staccato stuff and more held notes with the lyrics on this one and it's just really a song about 
trying not to hold on to the past so much, trying to move forward and not having it weigh you down, um, which is kind of mostly heard in the chorus. Um, in the back of my mind, I circle the past like an eagle, wishing the prey was alive. Get out of my shoes. I like that line. Get out of my shoes. You're starting to make it look easy. It's trouble enough to survive. Like, that last bit's kind of like, you know, walk a mile in my shoes and see if you can do it sort of thing. I like the idea of, like, somebody taking that that metaphor thing and, like, well, all right then and then they're just like running along just effortlessly you're like yeah you're starting to make it look easy <laughs> are we gonna hold on to faulty connections all our lives if i wanted to hurt you i wouldn't have kept you by my side but here we are catching a world full of friction under a million stars and all that we know amounts to, to a tome full of fiction how do we make it so far and uh i mean that's just a kind of the whole verse is kind of like perspective i guess like Obviously, at the beginning, you're saying, are we going to hold on to faulty connections? Are we going to continue to replay these same bad habits, these same insecurities and everything? And then in the latter part, latter part of the verse, it's like you're you're experiencing all of this friction and all of this kind of like heartache and whatever. And then, you know, it's just that thing of you look up at, this, at the stars at night and you go, ah, we're so insignificant. And like, why am, why do my troubles feel so large when we live in such a, you know an enormous world and we're just a little speck so it's kind of like that perspective welcome thing welcome to my universe <laughs> <laughs> yeah quarterly it's quite simple again i can't remember all of it really because i i don't know about you declan but when i make notes of songs before i even like demo them properly i will just write down the lyrics to remember how the song goes rather than the chords yeah, I think the idea for me is that I'm normally I've got enough demos on my phone of like the chords in progress if I need to go back and listen to them, uh, or like uh, I'll be playing the song a lot, particularly if we're doing it for the podcast. Like I'll be playing the song a lot to work it out over like sometimes the week, but more likely the Sunday to get it done. That didn't happen this time. <laughs> so like a lot of the times this month, I've been going back to them, just going like. Okay, well, clearly I did play this at some point. Now, what did I do? Right. <laughs> and trying to hook back, it, back into the bits that you remember and try and figure it out like by ear almost and go like, oh, right, it went like that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, there's also the other thing with like the weekly challenge of like sharing our excitement with each other. Like if I've written a song yesterday, I bring it to the podcast to show you today, I'll go, oh, wait till Declan hears that, you know, flattened sixth in the chorus or whatever you know what i mean like well i can remember what happens whereas with these it's like uh i don't know <laughs> you'll be there going like oh i used to flatten sixth yes exactly why <laughs> what was i thinking <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i mean again that's about it for struggle enough to survive struggle i really liked that one has that got a prospective home at all or um i'm literally i i'd be answering that just on the fly I'm thinking it might go on um, on the Billy's Courage album. Um, it depends. I, I'm, I'm demoing so many, not demoing, like producing up so many songs for that. And like at the end of the year, I'm just going to open up the folder and listen to them all and be like, yep, that one goes. Just that launch of a triple album or something. Oh, man. I, if, if I could do quality that consistently, I would, but I cannot. <laughs> so it's either going to be on the album or like a complete, like, you know, left on the cutting room floor type of track. Ah, fair. Well, I think, I hope it makes an uh, appearance on something like, yeah, just produce that up really 70s style. That sounds nice. That sounds lovely. Definitely. Sound brilliant. Be great to have you play on it as well if, if you fancy, like, play some Please. lead guitars or something like that. 
That'd be awesome. I would like to do this. So what is your final song from the February Challenge? Not the final one you wrote, I don't believe, but... No, this is song number 12 of the ones that I wrote. Uh, It's called Braveheart, and it goes like this. Around is never enough, no matter what I say. I know I always seem to mum, but you give me the time of day. I act like I can't stand you, and I know you do the same. It's funny to think how deep we fell into this wretched game. I know you tried to help me home, but I I couldn't face this life alone. Cause when you are gone. I'll have to carry on I don't know if I can manage better When you leave I will lose my freedom I don't know how I will manage now People come and people go and everything will change Facing all my demons, but I'll never be afraid If you're a part of the furniture, the background of my life But I don't take you for granted and I'm glad I'm by your side Brave Heart by Declan Kitchener, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm a big fan of this, and I'm so glad this is going to be on the album we're making together because, well, because it's great and I like it. Um, a simple reasoning, but it's sound. <laughs> I likes it. You said you remember sort of more of sort of what it went into this one. Um, where did it start exactly? Well, it kind of started with that uh, descending riff, which is just kind of I was thinking like, right, I'll just throw a couple of tricks I know together to make this one work. Uh, So it starts off with an E, then an E over E flat, C sharp minor, and then instead of going to a B, I went to a C diminished, which is almost a B, except it's not, because it's got a C in it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, okay, I've subverted that one slightly. And then it became a thing of like, well, if I try and use a couple of these tricks, can I try and subvert them in some ways? And there are a few in there that I didn't, like uh, that little rundown of the F minor 
where the notes go down a semitone at a time, that didn't get subverted at all. That's just played straight. But then like uh, in the uh, chorus where you might expect a sequence to go E, E major 7, E7, A. Instead, what it does is E, E major 7, B minor, A, which uh, it's a little bit different, but it achieve, it, you're getting the same sort of movement in there. You're getting that D. And it's just kind of put together like that a little bit. And yeah, it's a load of, not cliches, but like tools from my toolbox that I know work that I can use to craft a nice song. I get that. Yeah, I think this probably strikes a nice balance of like, you have your own tools, which, you know, aren't to like be pushed aside. Like you've obviously cultivated these chord changes and everything over the years, but also kind of subverting that, as you put it, um, which I think... Only once or twice, only very mildly, but just enough to go like, Oh, okay. Mm, mm, exactly. Uh, I think particularly for people who like who know your songwriting style, it's kind of nice to throw something in there that's like, oh, like, oh, right, okay, I didn't expect that. And this does that really well while still feeling, uh, what's the word? I guess like accessible and melodic. I think it's possibly the poppiest thing I wrote in the 14 days, other than possibly uh, Glimpses. Mm, mm. But then glimpses is very one four five, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I I totally get that. So uh, lyrically, what does this one touch on? Well, uh oh, aren't you glad I <laughs> that uh, that you asked? This is going to be the nerdiest thing that I have ever put forth onto the podcast. This is sort of about a Doctor Who companion. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Um, there was a companion from the 1980s called Tegan, uh, who travelled with Doctor Who number five, uh, Peter Davison, who was a Malvi Australian air hostess who initially just wanted to go back home to a job, just like, no, Doctor, I'm tired of uh, travelling around the universe. I just want to go home. I want to go to Heathrow Airport and start my job as an air stewardess. But we've got spaceships and monsters and lasers out there. Yep, I want to be an air stewardess. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> you got the voice down and everything. Uh, any Australians, I'm so sorry. But then, like, uh, there's a cliffhanger at the end of one season where, like, the doctor leaves without her and kind of forgets. <laughs> and then the next season just, like, uh, like, runs into her again, just apropos of nothing, and goes, like, you know what, could I come back on board? It's just like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they were kind of like, uh, they were mates, but they're also kind of always like moaning and sniping and taking a bit of a snip at each other. And I just thought, right, what would happen if they were trying to do this today and it was a love story? Because it's not back then. It is very much not. But then that kind of like feeds into a lot of the lines. Like, um, oh, hold on. For the final time this run, you get to hear the sound of my paper flipping as I get to the right page. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't cry. So lines like, uh, once around is never enough. Like uh, the fact that she travelled twice. I know I always seem to moan, but you give me the time of day because they always did used to moan at each other. I know you're trying to help me home. <laughs> like uh, he's literally just spent a season trying to get her back to Heathrow Airport <laughs> and failing miserably. Like, is that supposed to be Heathrow? Uh, it is Heathrow Airport. We've just landed in the 1600s. So. <laughs> or people come and people go and everything will change. There were a lot of other like people in uh, the show who came and left. She stayed for quite a long time. How long did she stay for? 
Uh, she stayed from 1981 until 1984. Okay. Like, I think in terms of real world years, she's the longest serving companion. I'm surprised I haven't heard of her then. Oh, she. Uh, she this is from the 80s where the show wasn't very popular. Besides, ah, okay. like, uh, it's the old show companions. Like, there's like one, maybe two the general public might know and that's about it mm-hmm. um facing all my demons but i'll never be afraid like sh- there's a number of stories with her where she has like this demon creature called the mara which is it's really cool like it's part of uh this monster taken from buddhist philosophy of like uh uh your fear and your doubt uh and she is sort of possessed by that in a number of stories and they're really good um i told you this was nerdy um, and how <laughs> I like it though I like the kind of references you've pulled here even uh, the title of the song Braveheart um, is something that Doctor Who used to say to Tegan like uh, whenever like uh, she was like expressing that like come on we've got to go and run past those Cybermen to get to that control desk oh for god's sake Doctor do we have to do this Braveheart Tegan <laughs> <laughs> when that Doctor regenerates into the next one he hallucinates all his companions and the first thing that she says to him uh, as he's hallucinating her is Braveheart Doctor, which is quite nice. Oh, that's quite, that's cool. But then, like, the reason that she leaves, in, in character, the reason that she leaves is that uh, they have an adventure with the Daleks and, like, everyone dies. And, like, she just goes, right, everyone has died, every, like, far too many times in a row now. Uh, like, this is not fun. I would like to get off. That's what the bridge is all about, more or less. We're spending all our lives repeating all our days. Uh, I ask for change. Uh, you never manage it. Uh, so I'm holding on to these next few words just in case I actually mean them. Uh, which is then what the choruses are about. Like uh, the thing of like, well, okay, if I'm having this wonderful life, like if I dare leave because of like you, I automatically lose possibly one of the best things that would ever happen which again like that the way they play it in the tv shows obviously they're just mates no hanky panky in the tardis this isn't the modern series there's no love um love wasn't invented until 1991 well pretty much that's when the classic show uh, after the classic show stopped airing um but you can sort of see from that logic like how that could easily translate to like a love song uh, so it's like taking a load of those sort of ideas and then sort of like with Grow Together earlier in the month, trying to disguise the fact that it's about a pot plant and try and write it about like it's a person. Like this is taking like a couple of episodes from a really cheap sci-fi show in the 1980s and <laughs> trying to write it like it's some meaningful relationship. Uh, for those interested, she's coming back in the final Jodie Whittaker episode, This Companion. So uh, you've got... You've got, what, four months to go and buy all the DVDs. That is a lot of reference to go into a song. Now, let me ask you this. I was wondering, like, because there's all this stuff about sort of, like, the fear and the sort of, like, going back home and sort of maybe losing something that was, like, the biggest thing to happen in your life and that sort of thing, were you purely just going, I'm writing an episode about... uh, Sorry, I'm writing a song about Doctor Who, or were you, like... There's something in this which I can really relate to and maybe even use it as a metaphor for something I'm feeling. Broadly speaking, uh, it's writing about Doctor Who. But obviously, the whole thing that sparks it off is like going, oh, hang on a minute. 
if you take these experiences and they're not about like traveling through time in a phone box and they're actually about a relationship, then they mean something slightly different, mm. which is it, like, it's not an autobiographical song, but I think we've all had moments like that where like, you know, someone and you think, but if I stop knowing you, then I lose so much. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be in a romantic way. That can be like uh, any myriad number of things. Uh, like, uh, say, for example, someone moves abroad and you don't get to see them again and you miss out on all the experiences that they used to have. Mm. Or like if you move away to a new town or like uh, if you just fall out of contact with someone. Mm. So there's there's a kernel of emotional truth to it, but it is very much just like translating the things that this character in a sci-fi show did and turning them into something else. I think it works really well. I think there's a risk with reference songs, whatever you're referencing, that you come across as like, what's this? What's this about? Like, what's it? What's it on about? You know. Whereas you can hear this song for the first time, as I did when I heard it for the first time, and be like, ah, there's a lot of like emotional depth here. Well, the, well, the thing is, like, it's not a reference song in is in terms of like you're not going like. Uh, in episode 29, we fought the Mara and we won. Right, right. Because <laughs> oh when we defeat the Daleks, uh, we'll run back to the TARDIS. I don't know. But like that's I, I, I don't like reference songs like that. Like There's this whole subgenre of music called Troc, which is Time Lord Rock, which this song was... Oh, wow. That, yeah, it's, it's nerdy. It's nerdy. Um, <laughs> Troc, wow. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, not so much different from like Wizard Rock, which is Harry Potter doing the same thing. I desperately did not want this song to do that. Like, I'm happy using a reference, like, for one line for something. Uh, well, I've written a few songs uh, based on films and TV and books and things. And the thing with me is that I don't like doing, I don't like referencing plot and I don't like referencing characters. Mm. I like referencing ideas and emotions. So, like, for example, um, we're going a bit way back with this one, but, like, when I did wrote a song about Amelie, I didn't write sp about specific scenes. I wrote about, um, like, the emotions that the characters were feeling and that the film made me feel. Or, like, uh, writing a song about the birds, like, um, not specifically writing about any of the scenes. I, I included a bit of a cheeky reference to like the real life events of the actress, but then I'm just kind of like that. But it's again about the emotions that that would have been causing. I think the closest thing I've done to actually referencing the plot of a film or a book or anything I've read uh, or watched and written about is uh, Redmond Barry. But even then, like it's more ideas than anything else apart from the end, which is basically just, direct vertebrae from the book uh, or from the end of the film when I saw it, but, you know. I think that's an important distinction to to make when referencing something is, like, what does it make me feel? What emotions are in the text or whatever it is? Rather, yeah, rather than referencing, you know, exactly what's happening or something like that because, you know, you, you want your songs... Well, I don't know. Maybe this is too broad a thing to say, but, like, generally you want your songs to be sort of, like generally digested by people and like understood and i think emotion is pretty much the best way to do that isn't it yeah like if i was writing a song and for example i wanted to reference homer simpson falling down springfield gorge i'd be happy to like 
directly name check that as like a one line mention. Like in that Abba song, Day Before You Came, uh, there's not, I think, a single episode of Dallas that I didn't see. Or like a, the latest one by Marilyn French or something in that style, just because it's one line that's a small detail. Mm, mm. But when you're talking about a work as a whole, and that's the basis of the thing, you've really got to be talking about the emotion. Well, at least for me, I've really got to be talking about the emotions it makes me feel, if any. Like rather than going like... Uh, and then Homer Simpson got on a skateboard, started rolling away from his son. <laughs> oh, it was quite bad that he did that, because now he's in a and I mean, I like it. <laughs> yeah, but it's not emotionally fulfilling. <laughs> Tell that to me. I'm crying. But I think I think uh, that's all I have to say on that one. But I do just want to like quickly point out the timeline of like the last few songs. So like I was writing a song every two or three days up until about the 15th, at which point I had like a five or six day break uh, from writing songs with about half of my workload still to go. So I just want to, because we've mentioned before that I had this burst at the end of writing songs and I just want to like put the dates out in order right now. So there was my thing that I wrote with uh, Fletcher James Grow Together on the 20th, had the 21st off, lucky me. Uh, wrote Avery on the 22nd, wrote I Decide and Unknown Troubles on the 23rd, wrote Braveheart on the 24th, and wrote Early Riser and Late to Bed on the uh, 25th. (laughs) So that was like seven songs in five days. Wait, so you were done by the 25th? Yeah, I was done by the 25th. Damn! I, I had nearly a week to spare. No, I didn't. I had three days. I think I finished on the 28th. See, it's like we said before, like... I started really, like, you know, strong in terms of, like, writing daily. I slowed down. I got, you know, it's like the tortoise and the hare in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, like, we've mentioned this before, but this is very much my uh, kid doing his homework, like, five minutes before it's due energy. (laughs) Like, uh, I might have mentioned on the podcast before that I started my dissertation, uh, what, two days before it was was due, sleep-deprived, did the first draft... (laughs) sent it into my tutor, went to sleep, <laughs> woke up and had an email saying like, considering that I know you've only just started this, this is actually okay. That's quite good praise, really. So at the end of a challenge like this, uh, do you have any sort of like thoughts looking back? Like, what did you learn? What was like the one major challenge? And do you feel like you've grown as a writer uh, as, you know, a result of this? To answer that last one first, yes. One thing that I've kind of really latched onto is the idea of like story in a song or like pacing of a song or pacing of ideas in a song Mm, i can hear that in your stuff this this month yeah like as they went through and i think when we put the demos up on uh soundcloud or onto the podcast we'll put them up in order so you can actually hear what order they came in but like i can hear throughout mine they, they start off just like being written like start to end just straight through with very little editing and then by the end like uh for for this one like all the lines have been like uh crossed through and like moved around (laughs) a bit but it's also like knowing where to put ideas so like uh, the verses in Braveheart are talking about the good times the uh choruses are talking about like the fear of leaving which then gets recontextualized by the bridge which is like the events leading to the leaving or like uh like we're mentioning 
uh, a f- couple of weeks ago, Early Riser, where that one I originally wrote like what ended up being the fourth or first second, and then I realised no wait you've rushed to the end put that later write two more verses explore these feelings uh one technical thing i realized sorry i'm just gonna rant right now uh it's interesting uh, it's interesting for me to hear actually uh one thing that again has really locked on is like voice placement for me how do you mean uh we've mentioned well i mean uh i've got a narrow range i don't have a falsetto and i can't sing particularly high in comparison to most people so i need to be careful with where I put my voice in a song. Generally, you like to uh, put a bit more energy or like raise the pitch of your voice slightly for the choruses to give them a bit more energy. And like at the start of this run, I had uh, another foot of rope where like it was written with the verses first and like uh, making sure like I got a nice tone for that. And then when I went to try and jump up to what I had for the chorus, got to the point of like um well now that i've had to move this down the verses are too low i've managed to work around that one now by changing how i play it but at the time it's kind of like well this has kind of killed the song for me a little bit Hmm. whereas towards the end i'm getting a lot better at like pacing where the voice needs to be like i know i need to be in more or less this register i need to i know i need to jump up more or less here i know i need to give myself a little wiggle room for like a fun things that you might want to do in life <laughs> right right and also just keeping things short and concise sounds like you've learned loads i mean i don't know that a lot of this stuff is new but it's very it's kind of this was kind of the crucible that solidified a lot of it for me definitely it sounds like you you've refined a lot of the things like you've spoken about things like your pitching and you know p- pacing of your vocals and um storytelling before but it really seems like you kind of you know reached a new tier of that in your writing this time which is awesome yeah this is kind of something that i'm sort of happy to see that in the one or two songs that i've written since this challenge that's i'm still thinking about that i'm still going back to that and making sure that things fit in that way so it's just kind of like nice to see that it still pops up into my brain and i've not just done this and gone like Oh, well, back to how I was writing before then. <laughs> yeah, like you, you actually keep some stuff to take forward with you, for sure. May I throw that same question back at you? Like, uh, what did you feel that you learnt, if anything, uh, by the end? Like, and what are you going to take forward from this, other than maybe don't write 14 songs in 28 days again? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think for me, the main thing I learnt was really not so much the songwriting itself and like the contents of the songs or I will touch on a little bit of that but the main thing for me was really like the process of like the start to finish of a song so like oh yeah that's sorry to interrupt but that's something else I got down really quick like I can reliably write a song in an hour now and that scares me slightly <laughs> it's a good good feeling isn't it it's like okay yeah. I, I can do it gives you some confidence I think is what it is I think my instinct for like if I know an idea is going to work out or not has become a lot sharper now rather than like wasting time is the wrong phrase, but like chasing an idea that won't materialize as you expect it to. That's such a good point. I, I totally agree with you there. Like you kind of like, you can sniff out a good one and it's like you go and just, I don't know, for me, like my ability to go like, okay, this seems like a good one. I'm going to try and write this all in one sitting. That's a big thing for me. The other thing is just a practicality of like, 
I've been busy. February was like a really busy month for me, not least because I was doing a songwriting challenge with you. And there was just the challenge of like, when am I going to do this today? I'm busy all day long. I've got plans in the evening. What I've started doing since February, um, pretty consistently, is I will do at least half an hour of music every single day. Like, even if it's like 11.30 at night before I go to bed. Um, just because I've started to realise that the only way I'm going to improve and the only way I'm going to sort of make time for this thing that I, you know, tell myself I really love, which I do, is to make time for it, you know. So I've started doing a half an hour a day, and if I have time, I do an hour a day of whether that's writing or producing or demoing things or putting things to clicks or whatever. And tied to that process, I think, for me is demoing a song. And like we have here, like you've probably heard in my demos as we've gone along, like at the beginning of the songs, I'll go, you know, C major, 136 BPM, um, and then I'll play the song and it'll be to a click. You won't necessarily hear the click track, but that helps me so much in the process of not only going, okay, I've got a record of the song, I don't have to remember it in my mind anymore, it's on the computer, um, but then I can also go along and add drums to it, add bass to it, and then I have the chords fresh in my mind. So I can go much quicker from demoing a song in a very rough way to having you know, a half-produced song in like a week, which feels really good. So my whole process has sped up. So that's really been the main thing for me. It's just like my workflow has really become a lot more streamlined. It's amazing what trying to do uh, like songwriting as a production line <laughs> does for your, <laughs> for your entire setup in terms of it does kind of make it a bit more like a production line is like not the right word because that implies like uh, you're not putting any force into it, but like you have a process and like you have like, shortcuts that you know like okay if i get the bpm sorted i can pop a couple of ideas onto here doesn't mean i can't alter it later but like i can get like the core of it down nice and quickly absolutely i think like one of the biggest you know creative blocks i've had in the past and i've, I've spoken to other people as well who have had this as well is like you'll come up with something like a verse or even like a whole song let's say and you'll go oh, i came up with this song yesterday it's like i'm really proud of it you know i think i'm gonna do something with it and then you kind of don't, you get busy the next day and then you don't do it the next day. And then a few months later you go, I had that song, I didn't do anything with it. And I think for me, I've kind of discovered the main reason I didn't do anything with it was not because the potential wasn't there for it and not even necessarily I didn't have the time for it, but because I didn't make the process easy enough for myself. So by having it so it's to a click, I know what the chords are, I know what the key is and all that sort of thing. And I've got the lyrics written down. It's all there for me. So the next time I go, right, okay, I've got an hour free today. I'm going to sit down and try to flesh this thing out. It's just kind of, I don't know, kind of making it easier for future me or something like that. I think it's it's uh, essentially ease of ease of songwriting, ease of use of whatever tools that you're using to write songs. Like uh, most of my songwriting was done at work on lunch breaks and things like that. So I didn't necessarily have access to like computers uh, and like DAWs and things like that to be able to get these songs down. But what I did have was a nice big pad of paper, uh, a phone with a terrible recorder but <laughs> that allowed me to at least get the chords of things down and like a space in the building where I work where no one goes into. <laughs> so I can just go there away from everybody else and go, right, I need to play this song four times so that I can make sure that I've got it in me. <laughs> definitely, definitely. We potentially had quite different approaches because you were writing at work on your lunch break whereas i would do it like at night before bed 
And I think what you say about just sort of like having a notepad, having a guitar, having a place where you can just be undisturbed for a short period of time, it's kind of all you need, really. And like a phone, of course, like everyone has a phone now. So a phone is very useful because it can record things. I mean, mine can barely record things, but it can record them. <laughs> I just I just love the fact that we have gone from writing these things where it's like, you know, on a Tuesday in February, for example, we were both sitting there with a blank sheet of paper thinking, what am I going to write? you know, haven't got a song, to now where we've got 28 songs and we can, we've chosen songs for an album, we're going to produce them and I don't know, there's something quite affirming about that and the fact that once you do something like that, you can do it again. Yeah, I think maybe like waiting for February is probably not a wise idea seeing as we're recording this in June. Um, But like if you can do like a fortnight and like try and get seven songs done in that fortnight or something like it's kind of like a fun little exercise to that's going to be extremely stressful but it's kind of nice to sort of see what it throws up and what it throws back at you mm. like the thing with doing 14 and 28 is just kind of like uh because you're writing so much it really throws all of your tricks back at you and you start thinking like well okay that's part of my sound so i need to keep that but like i'm using that a lot is there anything different i can do yes like, that's uh, a great point or like uh, giving you enough time, like particularly for a month, like uh, enough time to like suddenly think like a wait. I've heard X Y Z by A B C. What if I try and do a song like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And giving yourself that license to try things you wouldn't normally try because you've got to, otherwise you yeah. don't come up with the goods. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, my my only final closing thought on this is just what we've done on this podcast for the whole time we've done it, which is just having a time-bound challenge and accountability with each other. Uh, I think those two are enormous tools for strengthening your songwriting muscles and just kind of like trying out new areas and kind of like just making yourself consistent. Um, I think consistency is a real key to creativity. As paradoxical as that might sound, it almost sounds like you're forcing it, but sometimes you got to in a way. So... Just before we wrap up, any good song you listened to this week? Another lift of the curtain for you all, uh, because I decided to book a holiday in the middle of our season because I'm a very clever person. Uh, we've had to do like the last two or three episodes, three days apart each. So there's really not been a lot of time uh, to get into new songs in that time. Um I was listening a lot last night when I was coming home from an open mic to the title track from Kate Bush's Hounds of Love. In the trees. It's coming. It's a great song. I love the strings in it, and I love like well, the the chords are relatively simple in how they move about with each other. But like just those strings going over the top adds like as a whole, like they add the slight complexity to it, and just like I, I just love the abandon with which she goes for it on that song. It's really cool. I, I was listening to the Future Heads version of that shortly afterwards, and it just lacks everything. All the sort of unique identity of that song has just been sucked out of the future heads version kate bush is where it's at kate bush is where it's at you heard it here first folks um exclusive 
Uh, for me, in the last three days, um, I have listened to uh, the Sufjan Stevens album, All Delighted People, EP, I guess. Um, and the song from it, which stands out to me most at the moment, is The Owl and the Tanager. And all I was wrong, trembling in the cage, I was diamonds in the cage. In seven hours, I consider death, and your father called to yell at me, you little boy, you little boy. It's uh, it's just a great like piece of acoustic folk music, but like very intimate, um, recorded, and I can't put my finger on what it is. I don't know if it's just the microphones they used or what, but the recording of it is really nice and. Good adjective there, Rog. <laughs> well, there we there we go. It's nice. It's good. Listen, I can't use words like abandon like you. I I can't pull them out. <laughs> he sings with abandon, Declan. Well, what's it I do sometimes at the start of my sets? Hello, I'm Declan Kitchener. What I lack in talent, I make up for in gumption. <laughs> You've got a good stage presence. Um, I mean, I have a lot of jokes that I work out desperately in my head beforehand, so I just look like this nerdy, awkward person in the corner of the room, and then I get out on stage, and I'm suddenly like, hey, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a transformation. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. It's also end of the uh, episodes where we showcase the 14 songs we wrote each in February. My goodness, I don't want to do that again in a hurry. I might give it, what, another eight months? <laughs> oh my god yeah maybe we should for, do it again for, for the joke to land we're recording this in june so we shall be back next week though with a couple of songs each possibly i don't know i've I've got two that i can bring to the to the podcast yeah we'll be bringing you some songs that we've written since uh the podcast because it's been a relatively long time for us uh and we like these and we want to share them with you um if you have any thoughts about anything uh, that you've heard on the show today, if you've got a song that you've written and you want to send it in, uh, if you just want to tell me how lame I am for watching Doctor Who and tell me that Star Trek is way better, then why not write in at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Roger, where can people find you online? What do they search? Where do they go to? What emotions are they meant to feel? Um, confusion? Is confusion an emotion? It is now. Uh, well, I'm feeling confused, so it must be. Uh, so search Roger Heathers um, anywhere you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, YouTube, anywhere like that. And do give me a follow on Instagram if you haven't already. That's at Roger Heathers. And uh, the Weekly Song Podcast is also on Instagram, at Weekly Song Podcast. And that's about it from me. Um, how about you, can I just say? Can I just say, Roger... Uh, well, about Roger, that you've got so much material out. It's quite frankly embarrassing. Um, I was making a playlist on my phone of like all my friends' music that I've got. And so for most people, it's like, oh, they've got five songs. They've got like 10 songs. They've got like 20 songs. Uh, for you, it was 188 songs. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've not listened to any of his music beforehand, uh Somewhere in those 188 songs, you should be able to find something that is worth your time or that you enjoy. I have a problem. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, how about you, Declan? Where can people find... Um, I mean, you've got two albums out, so where can people find your stuff? 
well, I've got one album and an EP. Um, uh, you can find me by searching Declan Kitchener. Uh, I am on Spotify, iTunes, uh, all the fun places. I'm also on Bandcamp where like musicians get paid for like their music. So, you know, wink, wink. Um, I tried to wink on uh, radio. That's not a very clever idea. I'll put a d- in um, a ding sound effect for you. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, where ba- musicians get paid for their art. There we go. <laughs> um I've also got some covers up on YouTube. They're like uh, covers. You've got some up on yours as well. Yeah. Uh, again, search Declan Kitchener Music. Um, they're sort of covers that we get challenged to do by our mates. Uh, so it's not necessarily songs that we pick, but like we have to do them. Uh, <laughs> and like some of them are just kind of like, I'm maybe not touching that one again. <laughs> but some of them are a lot of fun. Uh, check out Dancing in the Dark and... Radiohead's just uh, of my covers. Um, yeah, I think I think that's about it. We shall see you again next week. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, see you next time. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.